Um, I'd like you to take a look at this drawing for a second. Um, and uh, you might notice there's a vehicle uh, in the background that's got a little bit of trouble. Um, I wonder if you can see any of the other things in this drawing that stand out to you. Yes. Yeah, calling for help on the cell phone isn't working because there's no service. Good. What else do you see in this? People arguing, right? Instead of fixing the problem, they're fixing blame. (laughs) Yeah, that's not helping much. What else do you see? It's 100 miles to the next town. Uh, So that's a long walk. What's that? That's that's good. That's good. Yeah, you see the guy sitting in the the front center there? It's a how-to book that has about a 1,000 pages in it, I think. Um, This drawing, uh, for me, represents uh, what we might call a mystery. And that is a day when good can't be found. Right? It's a mystery to say, what am I to do with this? What do we do? Uh, And there's no good solution. And I'm curious, um, have you ever lived through a mystery? Um, yeah, and amen to that. Amen. We live through mysteries in lives, in our lives. Are you living a mystery today? And I think for many of us, we are. We're living in a mystery today where we say, ah, it's hard to find the good in this. Um, it's wonderful to hear testimony when people come and say, God is at work. And that's a wonderful thing. But the reality is often we live in the mystery where we say, it's hard for me to see that goodness. So here's a question I'd like to get your input on is, what do you tell yourself or others when you're living in a day of mystery? What are some things that we might say to each other? And some of the things we say might not be very helpful. Don't worry. Don't worry. Yeah. Don't worry. Be happy. It'll be fine. What else might we say? Yeah. It's going to go away. Yeah. Tomorrow will be better. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Yep. Others have it worse. Um, Hang in there. Right. We say a lot of things. And sometimes these are the things that we say to ourselves. Although sometimes... Some of us, when we say it to ourselves, we're not quite as encouraging. It's like, you messed up again. (laughs) You should have known better. There's not much you can do, right? So sometimes we say encouraging words to other people and we say very negative words in ourselves and we tell ourselves how we have not done well. We're going to look at a story today and I just want to give you an idea of the setting of the story because they were living a mystery. Right? It's a, a story of people who, who began with a promise to the man named Abraham. And God said, there is a great future ahead of you, if you'll trust me. A great future that's ahead. And in their future, they had this amazing success. This man, King David, had accomplished everything that they longed for. That, that God had brought blessing and, and uh, a rich community and a relationship with him. And yet the story didn't end there um, because the story went downhill into a disaster, into a mystery where all this goodness was now gone. And the reality is that this this disaster, this mystery was personal. They experienced it personally. People were taken as prisoners of war and as young people taken away from their family. 
they were, uh, their, their names were forcibly changed to names that would dishonor their culture and their background. They were forced to, to, uh, to engage in language and practices that were meant to just strip them of their heritage. Some of them suffered and died. It was a mystery and a disaster as a people. Uh, it was a people that says, we've got great hope, we've got an identity, and then all the things that gave this people an identity were stripped away from them. The things that said, we're, we're going to be okay, God will be present and will help us, and those things were stripped away from them. It was a disaster for them as a people. And in reality, for these people, they were told, you are the hope for humanity. God's going to work through you. And so in some sense, this was a disaster for all humanity because God said, I'm going to use you to bring my goodness to people in the whole world. And it had all fallen apart. It was a disaster. It was a mystery because they couldn't look at it and see anything good. All that they could see was bad. And so in this story, I think the the driving question is, how can God's people live well in a world of mystery? When you look and you can't see, good. And some of us live in a season of that. Some of us count this in years or decades and say, here's the struggle. And it's gone on and on. And some of us watch as others do this and live in the struggle. And the question is, what do we say? What hope do we offer? I want to pray and ask God to speak, to speak by his Holy Spirit uh, for each one of us and for us together to understand his word, his voice. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we are so thankful for the times when we can say with our hearts, we are thankful that we have seen your goodness. We are so thankful for others when they can tell of your goodness. And yet, Father, there are days when we struggle to make sense, that we struggle to find what is good. I think we've all lived there. Some of us are living that today. And some of us will be surprised by stepping into it tomorrow or next week. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak today that you would help us to know our God who is the revealer of mysteries, to help us to know the hope that can be ours. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would bring courage and strength, that you would give wisdom and power for us for the days when we live in mystery. We look to you, we listen. Please speak now. In our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Uh, The title today is, But There is a God in Heaven, and we're in Daniel chapter 2. You'll want to have the text in front of you. I will not have it on the screen. It's a little bit longer passage, um, and we'll just read through it together. Uh, There are Bibles that you may have gotten when coming in, or some people walk down the aisles with them. Uh, They've helpfully marked the page where this is, Daniel Uh, chapter 2, and uh, there are also handouts um, that are available. Uh, We will just walk through this together. I'll give a second for them to to walk down with those so that you have it available to you. 
Yeah, so thankful for the opportunity to take a look at this. So we're going to look at it in uh, a couple of, of chunks, about four different chunks as we walk through the story together. So Daniel chapter 2, um, and the heading I have is Nebuchadnezzar's Dream. Uh, so Daniel chapter 2. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I've had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king, May the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it. The king replied to astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut in pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Once more, they replied, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. Then the king answered, I am certain that you are trying to gain time because you realize that this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is only one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then, tell me the dream, and I will know that you can interpret it for me. The astrologers answered the king, there is no king on earth who can do, or no one on earth who can do what the king asks. No king however great or mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men in Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. So stop there for a second. Uh, One of the things I find fascinating in storytelling is there are different ways to give emphasis to something. And one of the ways the biblical authors would add emphasis to things is they add dialogue. And you notice how often it goes back and forth between the king and the, the, the wise men, the astrologers, about his request, back and forth. And they finally give their assessment. Nobody can tell you what you dreamed. Only the gods can do this. And and this is advice when you talk with a counselor. Don't go in and say, I've had a bad dream and I need your help to remember it. And then you can tell me what it is. The counselor says, no, you tell me. Now, interpreting dreams was very important uh, in Babylonian society. In fact, they have these books that they found and the book says when somebody dreams about a statue, this is what it means. When they, when they dream about uh, a fish, this is what it means. And they had all these books. And so the experts would have all these cases and could interpret things. They said, we can't start with nothing, right? This is unreasonable, king. You can't do it. And their statement is such a, a dramatic thing. So in verse 11... They say no one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they don't live among humans. They've come to this conclusion that it takes a god 
to tell you what you dreamed. And, and so here we see that the king demands what only God can do. Right? The king demands something. They say, we can't do it. No human being can do it. And that's because only God knows and controls the mysteries of life. Only God can do that. And we see here that Daniel is added to the trouble because Daniel and his three friends have been captured. They're, they're uh, now under the control of the king. They're counted among the wise men. And all sorts of interesting questions of this is his second year and he was going into three years of training and all sorts of interesting things we can explore. But the key thing is, he's counted among the people who are going to be killed. Right? Because the king is so furious, he says, let's just kill everybody that's connected with providing me counsel. Because none of them are doing what they're supposed to do. In fact, I think they're all just making it up. (laughs) And so we see that Daniel himself needs God to help, to do the thing that only God can do. So verse 14, we continue the story. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went to the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I will interpret his dream for him. Ariok took Daniel to the king at once and said, I found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. The king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he is asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you were lying in bed are these. As your majesty was lying there, your mind turned to things to come. And the revealer of mysteries showed you what is about to happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have greater wisdom than anyone else alive, but so that your majesty may know the interpretation, and that you may understand what went through your mind. 
So let's stop there for a second. Daniel hears about this, and he goes in, and he says, why, why is the king so upset? He hears about it, and notice what he does. He goes to the king and says, we can give you an answer. I can give you an answer. And then I kind of hear him going to his friends and saying, ooh, I just did a bad thing. <laughs> I just promised that we would be able to do what no human can do. Let's pray. And they prayed. And God gave an answer. And then another way to add emphasis to things is a psalm of praise is inserted in the story. Right? This extended psalm of praise that, that, that Daniel says, praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He controls everything. And this is much of the content of the dream. And he says, he reveals deep and hidden things. You have given me wisdom and power, he says. Right? Just a second ago, Daniel had said in verse 20, wisdom and power are his. And then he says in verse 21, you have given me wisdom and power. What God alone has, he says, you've given me, you've made known to me what we asked you. And so he thanks God. He gives praise to God. And, and, and we see that God alone unravels this mystery. And he comes to the king and Daniel says again, no people can do this. No human being can do this. Only God can, right? Only God is wise and strong. And Daniel says, God has given that to me, not because I am wiser or stronger than anyone else, but because God is. And he says that only God gives wisdom and strength. And he did it in response to prayer. And see it again. He went to the king and said, King, we can take care of this. And then he went and prayed. So he was so confident in his God. He says, we'll promise this before we have it because we know God can act. So he goes, he prays, and God provides. So then he comes and says, King, know this. This is only possible because of our God, nobody else. So then verse 31. This is as Daniel explains the dream. First of all, he tells the king, here's what you dreamed. Your majesty looked, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were all broken to pieces and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. This was a dream. And now we will interpret it to the king. Your majesty, you are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands, he has placed all mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds in the sky Wherever they live, he has made you ruler over them all. You are that head of gold. After you, another kingdom will arise, inferior to yours. Next, a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. Finally, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, for iron breaks and smashes everything. 
and his iron breaks things to pieces, so it will crush and break all the others. Just as you saw that the feet and toes were partly of baked clay and partly of iron, so this will be a divided kingdom. Yet it will have some of the strength of iron in it, even as you saw iron mixed with clay. As the toes were partly iron and partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. And just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. In in the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of the mountain, but not by human hands, a rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true, and its interpretation is trustworthy. So if we stop there for a second, he comes and he tells this, this great vision, this great dream. And he has the power to say it. And the king, so this is one of the great questions. Did the king remember the dream or not? Right? And it seems there's some reason to think he knew the dream. He had just become really suspicious of his advisors who claimed to have an authority to speak about such things. And he says, so here's the test. If you can tell me what the dream was, and I can confirm that, then I will know you have the authority to interpret it. And Daniel could. And he said, here's the dream. And now again, remember, when did Daniel praise God? Before he confirmed with Nebuchadnezzar that the dream was really the dream he had. He was so confident in God's word, he says, okay, I know this is it. This is true. And he tells him the dream. And I think the heart of the dream is this stone that is cut out of the mountain that comes and it replaces, it displaces all human kingdoms. Now, again, all sorts of questions that are in here and people have spent lifetimes trying to figure out, okay, so which kingdom was which and how do we line them all up? And I think here's what I think is really important. And that is this statue represents all human authorities. Right? However you line up and you say, well, I think that kingdom's that one and that kingdom's that one. What's clear is human authorities will get obliterated and God's kingdom will replace it. Right? So this, this statue represents all human authorities and whoever they are, God's kingdom displaces them all. There's no place in this to say, well, you know, I think this is where that kingdom was. There is some interest in, in trying to track that down. And I think there are some good ways to explore it but that can so easily detract from the core message that all the kingdoms of humanity will be replaced by God's kingdom. It will set them all aside so you can't even find them, right? And taking gold and silver and iron and saying, and the bronze and saying, they'll become so small, the wind will blow them away and you don't even know they were there. He says, my kingdom is the kingdom that will surpass them all. And so he gives this message to Nebuchadnezzar and says, there it is. Now, Nebuchadnezzar does pretty well in this dream, right? He's the head of gold, and it seems like it's going to be a while before everything's destroyed. So he seems not too bothered by it. But now let's look at the response of the king, verse 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor 
and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. The king was satisfied, right? The king was impressed. He says, wow, you got it exactly right. And you have spoken with authority that you have given me the word of God. All sorts of strange things in this. Kind of looks like he worships Daniel. <laughs> and, and maybe the king did. Maybe the king said, wow, if this man has a connection with that God, I had better show him every bit of honor I can because <laughs> I don't want that God mad with me, right? He was a king who said, we've got to find some way to understand what the gods have said and make them happy. And I think that's what he was doing. And yet his words are so true. Your God is the God among, over all gods, the Lord over all kings. And, and we see here that God is supreme. And we see that God's people will continue to serve that king. Did you get that? This is really odd. God says, I'm going to replace all human kingdoms. But until then, you're actually going to work for that king. <laughs> until then, you're going to have a role in this place. And, and so Daniel was in that place. And he said, I, I would like my colleagues also to be in a place to, to speak for God in this setting, even though this is a place that doesn't recognize our God. When I look at the, the passage and, and wrestle with what's the meaning of both the dream and the process by which the dream is revealed, and that's this, that there is a God who unravels mysteries. There is a God who knows the mysteries of the world and knows the, the challenges of life when we can't find anything good. And he can make it work for good. He does this for our mysteries and he does it for the mysteries of humanity as we pray and follow in faith. Just what Daniel said, there is a God who can answer the king's question. There is a God who can find good when we cannot find it. There's a God can make it right when it is impossible for us to see a path forward. He unravels the mysteries for us personally and for all of humanity as we pray and follow in faith. So we go back to this, um, to this drawing. And we do often live through mysteries. And we look at the mysteries in our lives, and there are all sorts of them. There, we have mysteries that are internal mysteries, and they say there are things in me, and I can't see the good in it. I can't see a solution. I have tried, and I have tried, and it won't change. We look at relationships, and we say, I don't have power to make this good. All I can see is the bad, and it keeps coming back. We look at life circumstances. We look at we look at the world we live in and we say, this is what it is. We have another election cycle coming up in the United States. What gives us hope it's going to be better this time? I think of this drawing. Well, people are fighting with each other. People are searching the how-to manual. They're trying to call for help. And we say, where is the hope in this? 
we often live mysterious lives. And the question is, can we move the needle, so to speak? Can we do anything that will make a meaningful difference? And it's good to pursue good paths to make that car run again. Yet, what is our hope? And we wonder if there is any hope. And, and what I want to be very clear in is in expressing this today, I have no guarantee that the car will ever run again. You see, we do pray and ask for God's help in mysteries like our health. And we know we're going to die. Right? We'd like to think, oh, we can, we can just bypass death altogether. We'd like to believe that when we pray for a problem, it'll just go away. And sometimes it does. And what a joy when it does. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it actually seems to get worse. And so here's what I think Daniel offers, especially through this dream. You see, we don't know if that car will work, but here's what God does. Is he says, I am doing a work with the whole thing, the whole circumstance. I'm taking this whole thing someplace. There's a day when he says, my kingdom will come and all that is wrong will be made right. All that is unjust will be justly dealt with. My mercy will come and people will find new life in me. He says, you might endure troubles and the conflicts might last all the way through this lifetime. Yet outside of this lifetime, God says that he is God. And the answer for us is there is a God who is powerful and wise, who unravels our mysteries as we pray. God can take the whole package and make sense of it. He can take the whole package with all the complexity and say, I can make this good, just as he did when he died, when Jesus died on the cross and said, I can take all the trouble of humanity and I can make it right through that suffering. You see, there is a God who unravels our mysteries and the mysteries of humanity as we pray and follow in faith. And see, this is where the death of Jesus Christ is, in some sense, the greatest mystery we say, finally, help is here. And this is what the, the followers of Jesus said. Finally, help is here. The prophet of God has come to help us. And he suffered and he died. <laughs> this is why they were in such despair. They said, finally, help has come. But it seems like the help has failed. And, and the death of Jesus was a day of deep mystery when people say, how can this have happened? with the one who came to rescue us. And so then the reality is that his death is unraveling. It's, it's the unraveling of the mystery of humanity, right? His death that looked like the worst failure is the thing that addressed the greatest mystery of humanity. And his kingdom now is unraveling all of sin and death. It's the unraveling of injustice and evil, of all sickness and sorrow and mourning. This is the rock cut out of the mountain that displaces the human kingdoms and now becomes a kingdom that, that covers the whole earth and brings the goodness of God to all who will trust him. And that great solution for the mysteries of humanity, he also works each day in the lives of all he saves. Just like he did in Daniel's life. See, through this dream, he gave an answer for the whole of humanity. And he also rescued Daniel and his friends from death. God can work at the whole of humanity and in individual lives at the same time as we will trust him and pray. And so the application, the first thing is, we need to declare to our souls, there is a God 
who unravels mysteries. There is a God who can do this. There is a God in heaven. People can't do this. And I don't know how often it happens to your soul, but it happens to mine a lot. I look at a problem and my soul is really good at saying, and here's why it'll never get better. (laughs) Here's why I have no solution to this. A phone call yesterday with somebody and I'm just deeply burdened saying, I have no solution to this. I cannot see a way that people can solve this. This is beyond people. But I need to declare to my soul, there is a God who unravels mysteries. Right? That, that, that we so often focus on the mystery and say, look, that mystery is so great. But God is the unseen and all-powerful, all-good, all-wise God. And so with Daniel, we say, this is impossible, but there is a God who unravels mysteries. And he will win the final victory, and he is working today. Now again, that doesn't mean he solves our problems. The car may never run again. (laughs) But the whole thing will be carried in his work, and he will bring his goodness. God does this work. There is a God who unravels mysteries, And he does this through people who look to him for help. Because this is what Daniel and his friends did. They said, we need to pray. Let's ask God for help. But he made it so clear, it's not because we are wise and strong. Daniel said, only God is wise and strong. This is not because we are. It's because we know we need him. And we cry out in faith to him. There is a God who unravels mysteries. We need to declare that to our own souls. And then we do need to declare this to others, to say to people, there is a God who unravels mysteries. So here's one of the really cool language things, if you don't know this. This book, uh, Daniel, chapter one, we have in Hebrew, but starting in the fourth verse of this chapter, it's switched to Aramaic. And it's gonna stay in Aramaic until chapter seven. Aramaic was not the language of the Jewish people It was the language of Babylon. So all sorts of theories about why this is, but here's what I suspect. These are stories that everybody in Babylon was supposed to know. So it was written in the language that the whole of the people would be able to read, right? This is something God wants declared to all peoples, that there is a God who unravels mysteries. And this is something we get to do. And so perhaps there'll be opportunity for you with, with people in a small group, in a life group, maybe with a neighbor or colleague, somebody at school, and they tell us the mysteries of life. And we can tell them, well, there is a God who unravels mysteries. Maybe we can tell them our mysteries and the ways that God has been working to unravel them. Maybe it's an opportunity when people say, here's why there's no solution in the world. And we say, but there is a God who unravels mysteries that people cannot. And we can do this with art and with reason. We can do this with with actions and words. Let me just tell you a confession. When we give lip service to something, but don't actually believe it. I may have told you this once before. When I was in college, I spent time in Japan uh, meeting with uh, students who were learning English. And I was having I had an opportunity to tell some of these students about having a relationship with God, not just learning about God, but getting to know God himself. I said, so, you know, I can get up in the morning and I can hear his voice. I can read the Bible and listen to the spirit and I hear from God. And the student said, that's fascinating. 
What do you say today? Oh, um, I think I was a little distracted today. You were talking with the God of the universe and three hours later, you can't remember what he said? And I realized I was telling them something at the moment I wasn't actually believing. I wasn't actually believing that I got up in the morning and met with the God of the universe. I believed I got up in the morning and I read another page in the book. And it really convicted me. And so I say here, when we go to people and we say, we know the God who unravels mysteries, it's really important to, to, to peer into our souls and say, do I believe that I know a God who unravels mysteries? Is this what is rattling through my soul when I encounter troubles and I say I don't have a solution? As I speak to others, I realize I need to search my own soul and say, God, I confess my faith is so weak. For there is a God who unravels mysteries that no human being can unravel. And I know him. And yet how often do I walk in fear and doubt and wonder? And yet the privilege to declare to people what I declare to my soul, there is a God who unravels mysteries. And the hope is they'll do what Nebuchadnezzar at least did with his words. And that is they'll join the song that says, our God is a God who unravels mysteries. And so in some ways, here's the most important thing I want to say is to pray. To pray than to watch and walk in faith. This is what Daniel did. He prayed. He didn't just say, I know a God, he'll take care of it. He said, I know a God who unravels mysteries, so let's go ask him for help. Let's pray with bold expectation, just like Daniel did, right? He told the king, we'll get this answer for you. We don't have it yet, but we know the God who can do it, and we'll trust him to do it. And so we need to pray with bold expectation that he will. We need to watch in faith for God's work as we take steps of faith, as Daniel did. So I want to suggest uh, that this be something we do. And so uh, praying in faith together, you know, one thought as we finish up in a couple of minutes is if you'd like to pray with other people in faith, invite you just maybe come up toward the front. We can move some chairs around. If you'd like to do that, no pressure to be a part of it. But if there's a mystery, you say, I don't see a human solution to this, but I long for God's work to unravel the mystery. And so here's what we see in Daniel. Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends. He urged them to plead for mercy. And that's what we'll do. It's what we do in our life groups. It's what we do when we gather for a prayer gathering. It's what we do when we get together here is we, we get together with friends and we say, here's where I need help. Let me explain the matter to you. And now would you join me in pleading God for mercy? And then to tell our souls, there is a God in heaven who unravels mysteries by his wisdom and power. And then to join in the praise that says, I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power because they're yours and you'll give them to those who will cry out to you. You see, there is a God. There is a God who unravels our mysteries and the mysteries of all humanity as we pray and follow in faith. Let's pray now. Father in heaven, we do recognize you as the God of wisdom and power. You are the God above and beyond all humanity, all creation. We recognize 
that you are the one who has a kingdom that will displace all other kingdoms. We bow before you. And yet so often we are afraid. So often we do wonder if there's any hope. And when we do that, Holy Spirit, would you speak to our souls and say, but there is a God in heaven who unravels mysteries. Speak to our souls. Give us courage and strength. Would you, Father, give us wisdom and power to trust you and to declare your glory? In Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, who died and rose again to solve life's mystery, we pray. Amen.